The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo joins us with Global Commodity Analytics. And, you know, never think we're not going to have something to talk about on the markets, especially when we've got this whole trade discussion going on. And I know, Mike, grain sorghum popped into the market this morning with some trade issues, and the markets took notice. Yes, it did. And I think between that, Susan, and the the residual effects of the USDA's crop report for wheat um, last week, building the world-ending stocks to an all-time record high once again, I think this is a real major feature in the market, both of these coming together at a pretty bad time. And I say bad because on my weekly newsletter to clients, I wrote that we had really made some headway for the ag sector and the trade sentiment was starting to shift back to a more favorable mindset because President Trump had met with the farm uh, legislators like our own Senator Roberts and and your Senator from Nebraska and had talked about um, coming back around with TPP. He had talked about an ethanol blend for the summertime gasoline of 15%. He had also allowed his uh, negotiators to cut back on the automobile requirements for NAFTA and move that ball forward as well last week. And then we also had some more favorable talk about uh, what was going on with China and the fact that China and the United States were making headway and not raising and elevating the trade barbs any longer. Well, fast forward to this week, and first we saw the Twitter feed you know, kind of get excited again with the president talking about China and Russia and being maybe currency manipulators or kind of hinting at that. And then now, as you say, over the overnight markets, we saw this sorghum tariff as almost like a reply from China, I think, to what the president was talking about with the currencies. And so I think we've taken a step back, and it's left the charts very vulnerable, and it's, and it's turned the momentum back against the ability of the markets to try and get up to their March highs. And we're at a real critical stage, in my opinion. You know, Mike, it almost seems like China, you know, tries to come in as the, as the big bad wolf and then turns around running as the toddler getting picked on. I mean, I understand that they're trying to get everybody to rally against the United States, almost in the sense of that Trump and, and the United States is picking on them. Yes, and I think this is where... The president has a very, I think, solid mindset, Susan, when it comes to what we're dealing with in terms of fair trade and free trade, not one or the other, but both combined. And, and what I mean by that is, is that we have had this massive account deficit, current account deficit with China, and they have been known to take intellectual property uh, away from the United States. And so I think with them wanting to build this new Silk Road, and that's something that they have mandated, they've put in their constitution. Uh, the president of China has staked his reputation on it. He is the solitary leader of that country now, and that is in their constitution as well. Um, with this new Belt and Road Initiative, they have this new Silk Road. They're trying to line up uh, some of the major players in Asia and Europe, and I think become not necessarily direct competitor with the United States, but certainly want to be on an even playing field as far as economic size and power as the United States. So if we're going to work on getting more free and fair trade combined, 
I think it's now is the time. So in that respect, I can appreciate what the president and his staff is doing. The problem historically, and I'm a I'm a political scientist, historian, and and uh, try to be an economist uh, without an economics degree. Um, the problem with that is historically, agriculture is usually and the agricultural goods are usually a political weapon, and uh, we get caught right in the middle of these kind of things. And I think this is at the heart of the market. And then you kind of inject or introduce the high-frequency trading that we have nowadays and how they can push prices below supply-demand fundamentals um, because no one wants to stand in their way just because of the size of their, their and, and, the, and the amount of volume that they can push into the market in minutes instead of days. Uh, when we just saw this in cattle, you know, this is where we really have to be uh, on guard that we lose technical support in the corn and beans uh, without the wheat leading us higher and then we have to worry about okay we get into the planting and then the planting takes hold and then we have to go through a whole other cycle of rebuilding the market with a weaker dollar so on and so forth makes it hard for a producer whether it's grain or livestock to even think about how you go about marketing the spring with everything that's going on you know the thing that i realized about three years ago this was after the uh... big uh... hit the corn took with the uh... with the uh... uh unapproved corn that went into China and all of a sudden it became a big issue. So after the 2012-2013 markets, I started to realize in the analysis that you cannot work a one-month or two-month or three-month marketing plan. Um, You can in terms of putting price orders in and having expectations to get hit within those time periods, um, and then you want to readjust probably more frequently. But your overall mindset should be about revenue per acre and my goal has mostly been met in the in the new crop soybeans. I'm still stretching my legs, so to speak, to try and get a higher price in December corn to try and get closer to $850 or more in gross revenue per acre on corn sales for 2018. I think you want to go after the revenue per acre, something that makes you a decent return on investment, and then maybe in 2019 increase that if we get through these trade barbs and these trade issues uh, in a smooth context, because I think 2019 could be even better in terms of world trade for agricultural goods, because if the world economy is doing better and joblessness is lower and wages are going up, that's going to be happening not just here in the United States, but probably all around the world. And so the more money you have, the more you're going to change your diet, and the more likely you're going to be able to take on more uh, supply and, and take that in the form of uh, meat consumption and protein consumption. So that's kind of my rule of thumb at this, is at this stage. Well, no surprise. Folks want to eat. Stick around. We do have more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up right here. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Seth. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Mike Zuzalo is joining us with Global Commodity Analytics. No surprise that we have seen the delay that we've had this year. Mother Nature just can't seem to give up old man winter. And does that delay, is that causing any concerns yet for you guys? I think it will probably in another week, Susan. I think the expectations in this part of northeast Kansas and as you go down towards Kansas City is that quite a bit's going to get planted here in the next four to five days. We're still very dry. And we did, while we did break record lows uh, on Sunday night and Monday night, I believe it was, uh, we, we didn't have enough precip to really cause a lot of problems. And so we're in quite a bit of different situation um, 
in terms of the ground conditions than probably what you are in Lexington in that area. And uh, in fact, I had one client just north of me, a couple counties not far from the Nebraska-Kansas border, closer to Hiawatha, Kansas, that put two quarters in uh, before the uh, light rains and snows came through last week as far as two-quarter sections of uh, corn. And so I think you're probably going to get very much caught up in certain sections west of the Mississippi River. Um, I also had been talking to some clients in Illinois that had been pushing a little bit more uh, late last week as well in terms of getting some corn and beans planted. So I don't think the trade's as nervous about it as if they would be uh, maybe 10 days from now if we saw these kind of planting numbers. But we came in 3% planted on corn in the United States versus 6% last year and 5% on average. So we can easily catch up given the type of big iron we have nowadays, uh, If the especially if the warmth comes in. I think that's what most of the clients are talking about right now that the ground got too cold and they want to give it a chance to warm up. Well, yeah, I know we look at that for from the Brazilian harvest and them trying to get their second plantings, everything going. Not hearing a lot about them. I think we've kind of just turned the turned the corner. We're focusing more on what's happening here in the U.S. versus what's going on abroad. Yeah, I think that's a great point to bring up because not only we're we not looking at what's going on with with. Brazil and that safrina corn, as you say, but we're not even looking at South Dakota right now in the spring wheat planting pace. When we got those numbers on Monday afternoon from USDA, and I saw we were 1% planted, and that compared with 48% last year and 34% on the five-year average, that would suggest pretty strongly to me that if we're going to see acreage shifting, it's going to be in the southern plains, or excuse me, in the northern plains of South Dakota and North Dakota and probably western Minnesota, and that could be spring wheat going into soybeans. And yet, look at what happened on Tuesday's trade. We, we were barely able to get up a nickel when it came to the spring wheat close in May futures. And soybeans, thanks to the meal once again, uh, actually had the best gains percentage-wise other than the spring wheat. So the trade, I just don't think, is really focusing in on the fundamentals other than that USDA report when it comes to the wheat. I really do think these trade issues are first and, and foremost to the market. And, and the potential longs out there, Susan, they're staying on the sidelines because they don't like the way the charts look right now. Mike, let's switch gears. Let's head over to the livestock side cattle market. Is there some follow-through support that we're going to see in this market over the next couple of weeks for the live cattle? I think there is if you can get the cash market to turn on, and we should because we saw dress weights go down. We saw production numbers go down last week. We got the April fat cattle back to 118 plus as of Tuesday's close. We're now matched up with the cash market very nicely. June is still at a discount, but that's common for the June market, especially with April futures still having another 10, 15 days of life. But Susan, I think it really boils down to a, a futures low in the feeder cattle complex. That's probably going to come on the heels of the cattle on feed report that we're going to get later this week. And I think even more importantly, it's going to come further upside in the fat cattle, is what I'm talking about, is going to come when the hogs finally find a second wind. And we did make a really nice low in the hogs and in the cattle. We're quite a ways off the major lows that were put in a week to two weeks ago. And uh, so we're looking a lot better. But if we want to take that next level up like you're talking about, I think you need more of a coordinated effort. And I, I talk to clients a lot about this being very similar. The cattle and the hogs, because of their supply side, are very similar to the wheat and the corn. They both need each other at this point. Now, if we could just get Mother Nature to work with us, 
so we could dust off the grills and, and pick up on that consumption. Yes, and I'm so thankful, and I know the cattle ranchers are too, that at least the trade saw what was happening at the blizzard. They noticed the, the council bluffs, and they noticed what kind of snowfall totals we saw in some key areas that were still calving, and they reacted in taking prices higher. Thank goodness they did that. But the wheat clients that I have in the hard red wheat belt, they just do not understand why this market's punishing them right now. At least the cattle people saw the market and the trade respect the weather. That's a million-dollar question, isn't it? It really is, and that's that's where it goes back to the high-frequency people, if you ask me. Mike, best way for folks to get a hold of you is talk some more markets. Best way is to sign up for a trial on the new website because I've got quite a bit on there about that new Silk Road, about artificial intelligence. Go to globalanalytics.biz, sign up for a trial, register under the free trial, and I'll be happy to sign you up. Otherwise, if you want to talk more in person about what we talked about today, call me toll-free, 866-471-2588. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.